0: Everyone, welcome to 2024! Happy New Year's, and welcome back to the "Where If You Take You" podcast. We missed a, a week there because, as standard, both Aaron and I said that the holidays make it challenging for us to get things get things scheduled for us to sit down and record. But we are back. I'm Kayla Bowker, professional triathlete, coach, and mom to two little boys. Aaron is a elite age group triathlete and coach at "Where If You Take You" as well. We come to you approximately every week with Talking All Things Triathlon. We answer your questions, we go over topics, and really we just share our passion and our love for the sport. Before we jump into our recording here, I'm super excited to share with you guys that we are now offering a Patreon account for the Where If Feed Take You podcast. Our mission here at Where If Feed Take You is simple. We are here to unite the triathlon community and foster a shared passion for sport and the relentless pursuit of our dreams. By becoming a Patreon community member, you are not just an observer of our passion for the sport, but you're an integral part of the journey. With the Patreon account, we will be providing you guys with exclusive access to where if you take you podcasts, uh, behind the scenes videos, personal check-ins, and regular updates that help to provide a little bit more of an intimate look into the lives as athletes and creators and coaches and everything in between. Your support is more than just a contribution. It helps to fuel this podcast forward. With your help, we can grow the show, reach new heights, ex- continue to explore our passion within the sport of triathlon, go to races, and just give back even more to the incredible triathlon community. You can head over to patreon.com slash where podcast. You can head over to the website or just click the show notes to find out a little bit more about what we'll be doing with the Patreon account. It is going to be an ever-evolving membership, and I look forward to everything that it will bring for you guys in 2024. Now with that, back to the show. Yeah, we're going to dive in right here with just quick touch base on Aaron. How's the new year been so far?
1: (laughs) It's been good. Um, Getting back into the swing of training and balancing life, which is always stressful trying to get back into a routine at first, like exciting, but stressful. Um, But I'm already basically doing the hours per week I was leading into my Kona build because I just was able to kind of figure out my schedule. I'm comfortable with my new job and like how to schedule that. So that's exciting. I'm feeling good. I feel like I'm not in shape but not super out of shape either so that's a positive
0: (laughs) you know what that's actually a really good spot to be for january because if you were to be like i feel so in shape That would actually probably mean we did something wrong during the (laughs) postseason, and (laughs) it'll it can potentially mean that you're going to burn out too soon, and kind of all those pieces. We want to actually build upwards, right? So
1: definitely, there's nothing wrong
0: with feeling a little bit out of shape uh, this time of year. I think we all do.
1: Yeah. So like, there's some sets where I was like surprised that I was able to do it, like some VO2 max sets with like five minute long intervals, but then I rode for two hours yesterday and it was one of those things where it was like yeah i can tell i rode for two hours that that was a little hard so <laughs> it's the longer stuff but that's the <laughs> stuff we got to build into because if i was doing the long stuff all of off season quote unquote um i would be sober out by the time we got to actual like iron man texas focus stuff so it's all good yeah
0: no, no, but you're in a good spot. You're you're fit enough that we can do some good solid work, but you're not so fit that we don't have room to, you know, improve and grow. Yeah. And I think the benefit, like not the benefit, but the piece that is really important that I always want you to remember is like every year you've started at a better spot. Like yeah. you've started at more quote unquote more fit. I don't even think that's the right word, but right? You know, so it's not like we've gone, you go backwards but you actually start yeah. more fit than you were the year before and able yeah. to jump into things better. And, um, and I think that's a good, you know, showing that we've got growth over the years and that your body's building really good resilience to what it is that you're doing.
1: Yeah. Like I can, so. I did a 10 mile run on Sunday and I don't think I was doing that at this point last year. Um, so I don't think so. think like we're at like six
0: ish miles. So yeah. Yeah. And I know for me, like I feel more comfortable. I was just working on your plan um, this morning and I think I threw you into another, you know, just back to back another 90 um, minute run next week, if I'm remembering correctly, because I just worked yeah. on, so I think I'm remembering correctly. And a year ago, I wouldn't have been super comfortable doing that to you back to back. Yeah. And now I know you can handle two weekends in a row this early in the season of doing 90 minutes. Yeah. So
1: so that's exciting. How are you doing, Kayla?
0: Good. I'm in similar to you, kind of week two ish of like actual focused training. Technically, I've been training for about a month, but really didn't start much until the beginning of the year. Last year was last week was a bit rougher. I could really tell. <laughs> like, you and I swam on Thursday last week. And we both were like, oh, yeah, we can tell that we uh, are four <laughs> days into the first week of t- like focused training. <laughs>
1: <Yeah>. <laughs> My shoulders. It was more my response time. I just couldn't get up and go. Like I could swim easy all day, but that it was
0: exactly boom back. And it just kind of felt slug. Like I just felt like I couldn't flush the fatigue a little bit, and you know all those fun pieces. So this week has been better. Um, It is only Wednesday. I also don't quite understand how it's only January tenth. Like I feel like it should be (laughs) February tenth, which. January has felt very long for some reason and it's one of those where I know like all of a sudden it's going to be it's going to be mid-April and i am be like why is it mid-April all of a sudden but I swear to you I keep thinking that it should be the end of January already so I don't know I don't know what that means but it's something so yeah <laughs> but yeah other than that, we're just plugging away. I'm starting to, I basically have my race plan built out through kind of June, if it all, you know, works out. I just spent last week buying plane tickets and taking some leaps of faith and doing it. Um, I decided oh. I'm going to start my season at Campeche 70.3. Oh. Yes. Did anyone guess
1: that on Instagram? Yeah.
0: Not a single person. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody assumed Oceanside, yeah, yeah. which it, you know logically makes the most sense. Um, so I decided to but do screw kind that kind of exactly. <laughs> yeah, so you know to kind of give you guys a little bit of insight of how it works, kind of when you're trying to make build a season a little bit from a professional side of things. Like I looked at it from a couple of different angles. I looked at it as what, one, like which races tend to suit me the best, like, because I want to do better at it. And Oceanside definitely does not suit me the best with a hard ocean swim. Um, not necessarily the ocean. I have any issues with ocean swims, but it's a hard ocean swim because you have to enter, enter the, through the surf and, um, and you exit through the harbor. Uh, water's cold. I don't do well in cold water and it, it tends to be a little bit cooler. You know, sometimes California can be hot, but it can be cooler. Whereas Campeche is very warm. Obviously it's Mexico. Um, it is. So heat is better for me. Um, it fits my second race schedule a little bit better. And then on top of it, it has to look at it from an angle of, okay, if I take a gamble to go to Campeche, where probably the field will be a little bit smaller probably won't be as an aggressive of this field because oceanside is the first race of the ironman pro series so anybody going for this ironman pro series has to do wants needs wants to do oceanside um so the field's going to probably be massive like i'm assuming there's gonna be 70 guys on that start line for men and probably somewhere in the 40 to 50 for women would be my Yeah, assumption. I imagine
1: it will be a massive field compared to most massive. other races.
0: Yeah. So, you know, logically thinking, you know, probably placing something similar to what I did last year, which I think I placed four, 12th or 14th, I can't remember, which does not make me any money. And whereas most likely if I have a good day, I could potentially podium. Campeche if it's a small enough field. So, right? We gotta weigh all these pieces. Um
1: What's the know, date of Campeche?
0: March seventeenth.
1: Ooh, I like that much better for yeah. Iron Man, Texas. Right?
0: Fits so much better. Yeah. Yeah. Problem was was it was very expensive to get to and logistically crazy. So I had to I I yeah, it was it's cheaper to fly into Merida. Which is about a 95 mile drive from Campeche. But you don't get into Merida until 6 p.m. and then you got to get your rental car or take a bus and all these pieces. So I ended up, I did end up kind of doubling down and just buying a more expensive ticket to get directly into Campeche, which is only 15 minutes away from the airport, my hotel. So maybe
1: you'll make that But money it back. would be.
0: I, you know, that's the gamble I'm taking, right? Because if it yeah. goes how I think it could go, I would make the money back plus a little bit. Um, and if it goes at like low end of how I think it could go, I would cover, I'd, I'd cover the spread basically. Um, but the crazy thing is I randomly looked up, I was like, just out of curiosity, I'm spending X number to get to Campeche. What would it cost me to get to Europe? And it was less for me to fly to Zurich, Switzerland, than it is for me to go to Campeche.
1: <laughs> so, what I'm hearing uh, is that your race options are expanding.
0: My race options have just expanded because it's really not. The- <laughs> no, it's not even necessarily Europe. The reason Europe is so challenging is the time, right? Because the yeah. the you time have to difference get there is way so- earlier. Yeah, and I just don't want to be away from the kids the, the family the kids from that for that long like it'd be 10 days probably seven to 10 days and the most i've been gone is five or six um i just don't want to and we just can't afford to bring at the moment unless i randomly qualify for niece world championships at texas who knows maybe send the whole family but so yeah Okay, long story. We babbled on about that a little bit. But first race of the season for me are Campeche and Ironman Texas. So Aaron's cool. going to also be in Ironman Texas. And yep. we've got a couple other athletes on the team racing. And we hope to see anybody who's going to be there out there. be a lot of fun. Yeah. Should be a great race. Um, yeah. That is another one that will be big, have a really exciting pro field, which always that makes the race, race more exciting in general. Yeah.
1: It's more exciting to watch from an age group perspective because yeah, I just enjoy watching the pro race as I'm dying as they
0: come by. Yeah, <laughs> I mean I do the same because I'm usually mid to mid backpack, and <laughs> we're trying to change that. We're changing yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, I watch them all fly by. <laughs> <saying I'm laughs>
1: I did my first Ironman. I got screamed at by like one of the back end pros, which was oh cool. no. Because I, like, I came out of the swim ahead of some, and was, like, biking. And, I mean, I was in my, like, dra- like I was legal in my following distance. Mm-hmm. But I guess she wanted me to take a pole, and I wasn't taking a pole, because I it was my first Ironman. I don't even think I knew what that was. You probably didn't even know what that meant. <laughs> no, so she kept yelling at me to do that. <laughs> and then, what? like, she... I don't know. But then, like, there was a descent, like a little short descent on that chorus, and I passed her because I just, I descend. Well, But then she came past me again because I wasn't pushing the power she wanted me to push. Because, oh like, my goodness. I'm just doing my own thing, trying to survive my first Iron Man out there. Right. Um, And then she screamed at me and I dropped my Uncrustable. Oh That's no. Really
0: <laughs> That is definitely something that I don't think. Like I don't think that it, professionals should use the age groupers to their benefit, except for I will. Except for the really, really fast men age groupers that just think that they feel the yeah. need to just descend upon the women, and it's impossible not Who to. Don't use give them you a choice. Yeah, <laughs> they don't give a choice. Yeah. So I have lots to say on that matter, but <laughs> I won't get into that.
1: <laughs> yeah. We will get
0: into our questions. How about that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Let's do Awesome. It. Okay. Well, thank you to everybody who sent questions in. We had quite a few of them this week, which is awesome. Um, as a reminder, you can send us questions on Instagram. Um, usually Aaron or myself put up some sort of like little what are those little bubbles bubble boxes on instagram ask me a question question, um just to kind of you know get it out there but you can also send us questions out at our website uh where if you take you.com slash podcast or if you subscribe and join the patreon page that's also a great place to um ask questions there and, um, cause it's a, it's an easy spot to do it. And that you can find at patreon.com slash where if you take you podcast, or you can find it on the website. So, um, anytime you ask us your questions, we do our best to answer them. Um, here we got quite a few of them. I don't know if we'll get through all of them today, but if not, we'll save some for next week. So We're going to start with a question from Paige Swenson. Paige is a very loyal listener and friend of the podcast. I've known Paige for a lot of years. And she asks, how often do you suggest athletes do an FTP test before their season starts? Um, For those of you that are not sure what FTP means, it's an acronym for Functional Threshold Power. And it is a test, and there's a lot of different ways that you can do it, a test that determines Approximately in really short, quick layman terms, it determines your threshold. And then oftentimes, coaches and athletes will use that threshold to help create their zones that they train at in their structured programs. Um, It gets a lot more in depth than that, but we'll leave that for maybe another podcast if we ever wanted to go into it. Um, So, yeah, FTP tests. I have Aaron doing one next week. And which I need to talk to you about last week
1: because yeah perfect (laughs) you guys don't need to hear that conversation Uh, FTP so what's your opinion Kayla you know I go very
0: up and down on this because I do believe that there is some benefit to an FTP test but I really really think that it is something that needs to be used sparingly and dependent on the athlete. So I've been coaching coaching for almost 10 years now. And over the years, I've really found that unless the athlete is fairly elite and or a professional and understands how to kind of, one, really do the test, and two, how to look at it objectively, then they can actually almost do more harm than good in a sense from a mental standpoint because a lot of times athletes get (coughs) really caught up in this concept of the word test and psych themselves out start fail it before they even start it because they get so like worked up about what that number should be if the number isn't where they think they need to be they get really worked up etc and honestly I, I Uh, This is something that I struggle with as well. So I just recently did one and I just posted a YouTube video about it. You can go watch it if you want. Um, And I talk about kind of that exact same thing where I got done with my test and I was disappointed. I was frustrated. And then I took a step back and I really looked at it and I was like, oh, actually, there's a lot of good in this test. Like, yeah, my quote unquote actual FTP number wasn't all that awesome. And I didn't actually end up changing my zones based off of it. But what it showed me is that I was getting closer to being able to hold the actual power that I wanted to be able to able to hold in a race. Because I was able to hold it for the first five minutes, and then I struggled a bit in the middle 10 minutes, but then I got back on it. And it showed a lot of, you know, hey, we are progressing in the right direction. So did the number look good? No. Was it hard? Yes. Did I really nail it? No but I actually saw a lot of good that came out of it. And so you have to be able to look at an FTP test from that angle. And if you can't, I don't always like to use them. Oftentimes with athletes, what I'll do is I'll have them do like sweet spot, like 10 by eight sweet spot style interval, like an 80% effort. And if they hold all of those super, super, super steady, and then they look at their comments and they tell me that was super easy. Well, we might need to up you a little bit. Like, kind of go based off of more subjective type of stuff.
1: So, I don't know.
0: FTP tests really suck. They're hard. Um, yeah. But they can be a really good baseline. So, I think it depends. There's nothing wrong with doing one or two at the beginning of the season. Um, kind of in this time frame. Um, my coach, we are doing, we're going to target trying to get three of them in. But I'm on a very different type of program than you know maybe a an average age group athlete might be what are your thoughts
1: my thoughts kind of go back and forth as yeah. well um i always like when i have a new athlete i like to train them for like maybe a month just get them comfortable on the bike and use an ftp test as a good gauge of where their fitness is starting but also so i can see like how they push themselves i guess like if they like to go really hard the first five minutes how intimidated they might get by like a 20 minute all-out effort um sometimes i'll have them do one of the ramp ftp tests or like the Mm -hmm. swift easy ramp too. just depending on the athlete and what they need um because there are a few different style ftp tests Mm -hmm. out there i tend to like just the 20 minutes Let's see how hard you can go the most, um, but I think that's a little athlete dependent as well. Yeah. Um, and then after that, it's when I start to see that an athlete is nailing every single sessions. They're commenting it's easy. Their heart rate isn't Cross. increasing as mm-hmm. the interval reps increase. Um, it just shows their body is just really handling it and. It- when i think they're getting to the point where if we kept the zones the same they're not getting the right adaptations mm-hmm. that's when i'd want to do an ftp test um but that does so how many but times? that could also
0: yeah that could also depend on what time of year it is too because if it's the middle yeah. of race season sometimes you just want to say hey i'm seeing x let's raise your ftp 5 to 10 watts yes. depending on yeah,
1: yeah exactly cuz i don't if ftp tests like can take a lot out of you if so, yes. I don't think it fits in with their training schedule, then, like, I don't – almost, and, like, I do, like, test – don't guess, but that also leads me to, like, I do think if you can figure out lactate testing, which I haven't done, but I do think that's way more beneficial and finding your, like, lactate it threshold.
0: Mm-hmm. So, yeah. It's just not always something that is easy to do for no. – You know, that's a thing about – like even on the YouTube episode that I put up, like I had some people were commenting like, oh, I don't feel like the 20-minute test is a great representation. I prefer like you should go out and do an hour, 40K TT, which is 100% true. It's really not a great representation. Yeah. But it's really hard for 98% of the population who does triathlon that is not – honestly, that's not a professional um, who – you know with work or life or the amount of hours that they have the capacity to do to go find time and space and road availability to do a 40k tt an hour you yeah, know an where hour are these time people
1: trial. living where they can just find a road that's i don't know like cuz <laughs> even if it's like rolling hills like I'm, my power is yeah, not totally... going to be the, yeah mhm yeah like <laughs> If I was
0: to do one here, ideally, I would want to go out to where we, were, where we rode yesterday, usury, because it's safe for the most part. But it's not going to make great representation because it's very roly. Yeah. So, yeah. f is an interesting one. Um, good, great, great information, but you also have to learn to not be a slave to the data too when you look at it. Yeah. yeah. I at it and
1: I think if way. you have a coach that can do like a pretty good job of, seeing where your race numbers are that will probably give them a pretty good estimate yeah I also do
0: think that it can be used for different reasons so like for example one of the reasons I want you to do it isn't necessarily to actually get you a number don't really care about your FTP but exactly what you said how you want to see right one of the things that we talked about that you wanted to do was to pushers like do 20 minutes all out like hard efforts and this is such a great time like I basically want to give you a 20-minute blowout and you know, see how the body responds to it and see what it looks like, um, yeah. not even from a number standpoint. So like, there is other ways that you can utilize it, and you can get a lot of benefit out of it as an athlete. Music oh, In that baseball.
1: case, I probably will do it outside because I still yeah. don't have the right parts for the trainer because I uh, just can't get myself to do it.
0: Yes. This. And you can do it outside. It doesn't have to be done on a trainer. Um yep. but- it's just sometimes it's easier for most people, for
1: example. No, the Tempe yeah. Lake Path. I wish they would fix the last year. For those who don't know, Arizona got a ton of rain and this path where, like, it's a good bike path. It's probably, like... 10 miles out, 10 miles back, maybe. Awesome. Um, but it flooded and the concrete broke in a section of the middle of it. So you have to like slow down, unclip from one foot and kind of like roll through this little Roll through camp, it. <laughs> which is like, it's not a big deal. It's maybe like 20 seconds of your time. But when you're trying to do intervals every time, it's like, yeah. And it <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. But yeah.
1: So you can do yours
0: outside. Um, 100%. Awesome. All right, we've probably beat that question to further than we needed to do. So this is uh we got a couple questions here. This is we'll do a quick short one here. Um this is I from – I'm not gonna say their Instagram name because I can't totally pronounce it. But they asked, do you believe your Garmin when it says unproductive? No. No. <laughs> <laughs> Don't believe it when it says productive either. Like yeah. <laughs> Don't listen to your Garmin. 99.9% of the time, that is, one, it lags. It's going to lag like a day or plus. And two, it's just not correct if you're productive or not. Because it's going to depend. So like, for example, I've had days where I have done a 100-mile ride and then a run off the bike and then after the run off the bike told me that I was unproductive. Well, why? Because all I did on my Garmin was run because I don't record on my watch, my my ride. So it didn't know, had no clue that I just rode a hundred miles. It doesn't always know these things. It's a lot that goes into them. Um, And then also if you're someone like, I don't wear my watch to bed. I don't, I don't have my watch on right now. I, it's not gathering all of the data of life stress and everything so no
1: i mean yeah, i'm someone who wears my watch all the time and i still say no because sometimes the intention of a specific build is to kind of exhaust you so yeah your vo2 max isn't going to be reading as increased because your heart rate's gonna like your estimated vo2 max yeah. that garment takes by your heart rate and your estimated pace that's going to be up, or like the heart rate's going to be up. So VO2 max, the way Garmin interprets it, is going to be down because you're tired. Mm-hmm. Um, and that doesn't mean that it was an unproductive session. It's actually probably exactly what your coach wanted. It just Garmin's going to read that as, "Hey, your VO2 max is down, so that was an yeah. unproductive workout based off your load right now." Yep, according to the Garmin.
0: Yeah, it's an algorithm. Don't follow algorithms. Like, I don't know. The TikTok think-
1: algorithm's is pretty fun. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, man. You have that one. Follow those algorithms. <laughs> um, Awesome. Okay. So from the same athlete, actually, she asked, how does your cycle, so your menstrual cycle, impact your training and racing? And this is a great question. Um, and... Probably should have done a little more research into it before we answered, but we're going to just kind of talk on maybe our experiences rather than the science. We're not going to talk. We're not going to talk science behind it because I haven't done enough research on it. But I do can kind of we can both share maybe our experience with how it affects us.
1: Well, I I have done a bit of research on the science. I've forgotten it kind of intentionally. oh because... uh, yes, that's probably where I'm at too. <laughs> I, like, I, I'm i not going to base my race schedule off my cycle. um. No, so I'd can't. rather just not know how I'm supposed to feel or, like, where my endurance capacity is, if it's at a peak or if it's in a valley, like, during mm-hmm. my cycle. I'd just rather not know. So I did read about it because I find it interesting and in how you could train using your cycle. But ultimately, like, I'm not controlling my race schedule based off my cycle. So I'd just rather train as normal and hope for the best. Uh with that being said, there's like one day where I'm ovulating, I get pretty bad pain where sometimes it like hurts to take a step running and I will back off or choose to do something else those days. Yeah. But
0: and I think everybody so one thing I noticed based off of like again I kind of read read a couple of books and then I, I track my cycle using wild AI, which gives you information and my how I feel never ever fits what they're recommending um based off of where I'm at in my in my cycle. Um and so I really think it's important for you to track and track how you're feeling in each of those phases. Um and because I think everybody responds to things really differently. So kind of like for example for me in that 2 week time frame where your progesterone levels are really high. Um which is like two weeks before it's like right in the middle. So like right t- in the middle of your cycle, which I believe is when your progesterone levels are really high. I feel horrible. Technically, most people are supposed to respond fairly well to a little bit more progesterone. I do not never have I respond horribly. And which is why I didn't respond well to birth controls because they were most of the time they're progesterone related. Um, and so I feel sluggish. I feel slow. I have no energy. Um, so I think it's really important to track so that you understand how you're – where – like where you are and how you feel during that time frame, And then also learn how to manage those pieces. Because like exactly you said, like you can do just fine. Like on your – you can race and do just fine on your period. You just have to manage the symptoms. So most of the times that means you maybe you need – an increase in carbohydrate. Usually, you need increase in carbohydrates and increase in um, electrolyte volume because you are your body is thermogenically burning a lot more during that time frame. So you need more carbohydrates and you need more um, electrolytes to kind of help manage those pieces. Um, and then, like you said, like learning to know, okay, during maybe a time when I'm ovulating, I feel, like you said, you have a lot of pain. So I need to decrease my intensity or I need to move and that has to be an off day. And then the next day I do the next piece. Like, So I think it's really important to track your cycle um, and kind of manage it from that angle, but know that you can still push yourself in the ways that you need to, um, you know, in that space.
1: I think the one thing I will say that i'm nervous about i've never had my period during an iron man um or at least haven't had like the first yeah. few days of it and i yeah same Thankfully, that would make me sad because i don't want to stop in the middle of a race just to change a tampon that seems mm, like a waste I of time but i also don't want to bleed all over myself and i also yeah. don't want to get toxic shocks <laughs>
0: so... and i don't know about you but i haven't tried using like the menstrual cups that you're supposed to, that supposedly you can use during like a full Ironman because you can wear them for like 12 hours. My floor is going to be too heavy.
1: There's no way that's going
0: to work. It just seems really uncomfortable and like no way. <laughs> um, I had to re I, I had to relearn all this after I had kids because my cycle completely changed after I had kids It's like full on. Non- it's not even remotely the same. Um, so it was like previously prior to having kids, like I would go almost two months sometimes and not have it, or it'd be so light that it wasn't even like, there was no issues. I never had any like necessity to even manage it after having kids, everything changed. So I had to relearn kind of all, all those aspects of it. And that has been interesting. Mm-hmm. to like relearn everything at the age of 34 about my menstrual menstrual cycle when what I've been having ever. I don't even remember when I first got it, but how half my life, <laughs> like yeah. more than half my life. Um and so that was interesting. But I think one thing that's really important that I do want to touch on really quick is having your period, having your cycle is really good for you. It, it it's showing And it can be managed. And so, you know, I definitely think that, you know, focusing on ways to ensure that you manage it, but that you're having a healthy, regular cycle to the best of you, right? Every human is different. Some people, their regular cycle is 40 days. Some people, it's 25, you know, so just learning the best about what your cycle, how it works for you. Mm -hmm. Um, For sure. Going from there. Um. Awesome. Okay. Um. We had quite a few questions on kind of what do you tell yourself when you're out of your workout routine and wanting to get back and motivated again or getting back into shape after a lot of years of slacking, which is what Adam Van Poe said. Um, and then, yeah, just kind of more along those lines of when you kind of get out of routine, how do you get back into it? Which is kind of a good topic right now because both of us, you know, we got out of our normal routine of very structured focus. And now it's, you know, season again and it's time to get back into it. Um, but yeah, what works best for you? Or I guess what have you been doing this last like two weeks to help yourself kind of get focused on I, it? Just, just do it.
1: I know that's I know. not the best advice. I know it's not the best like, advice. <laughs> uh, <laughs> like... You just got to get started. You got to yeah. decide that this is something you're going to do for yourself and commit the time to do it. Um, I do I think, think that's the having... key word, commit to it. Yeah. 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 I think having a coach is helpful um, because at least they can like create workouts for you so you're not going to the gym being like, hmm, I wonder what I should do today. Like, You mm-hmm. have a workout that's there that you could do um but like if you really enjoy figure
0: it out on your own
1: yeah definitely but if you really enjoy going to like cycle classes or like orange theory or something like that like just commit put yourself on the schedule three days a week and commit to going to it Mm -hmm. um i think yeah as kayla said something to be said about
0: yeah something you said about spending the money to do it like you said like okay buy the 10 pack pass to orange theory because now you've paid for it and if you don't do it then you just lost all that money you know those it's like kind of a silly way to sometimes go about it but there's something to be said about hey again it's just like forcing yourself to commit to it a little bit um i actually had a conversation with an athlete on something very similar last earlier last week um and you know i said the brutal truth with this is is that there is no trick and is hundred percent you making the choice? You have a choice here, and it's all up to you. You have to choose. Do I want to dedicate myself to this? Because she is an athlete that relies heavily, and most people do heavily on motivation. You guys, motivation is stupid. Nobody has motivation. I didn't have motiva- I, I don't. Have, I didn't have motivation to go swim while it was still dark yesterday. It's the last thing I wanted to do. It was 33 degrees out when I went to the pool. I didn't want to do it. I zero motivation, but I am disciplined and dedicated to the goals and the, the, the choices that I'm making and knew that that was the only time I could swim. And it was either do it or not do it. And I made the choice. And so I think there's a, you know, that's number one is you have to choose to be dedicated to what it is that you're doing. And then from there, you know, creating good habits, like, I think that's the other piece is right. A lot of times, and like you and I have talked about this in a a weird sense of how it's like wanting to be, you know, like you said, like wanting to go after that goal of becoming a professional triathlete, but feeling like that meant you had to make all these huge changes at once. And it's like, no, let's take a step back and let's make a small 1% change. Let's do this and focusing on small 1% changes. So like 1% over 1% adds up over time. Move the needle a little bit further. So if you're if you are going from zero instead of going from zero to 60 just start going out for a walk for 30 minutes a day. Make it one small step okay, now that i've been I've committed myself every day now i it's been a month and I've been walking every day and I'm starting to feel a little bit better, I've a little bit more energy. okay, I'm going to add in going to the gym twice a week. like small steps allow you know allow your body allow your mind to adapt to getting back into things too. I think it's really important.
1: maybe um, if you do it all at the end of the week, you can reward yourself with a milkshake. Heck, yeah, I'm all about rewards. <laughs> Heck. Speaking I of went which, a whole week without dessert. Ooh, which, that's big. I don't think I've ever done
0: that in my whole life. That's that's big. And I'm I'm doing the opposite. I am committing myself to not being afraid to eat desserts in the evening like ice
1: cream. Good. I mean I I am back. I had a McFlurry the other day, but I just wanted to share. I did I did a week. <laughs> I proved to myself I could do it.
0: That's awesome, though. I think that's fabulous. Mm-hmm. That deserves celebration because, like you said, you committed. That's a great example. Yeah. yeah. You committed to saying, hey, I'm going to make this one small per- 1% change. And then from there, you have the ability to go, okay, I committed myself to doing that. I did it. I like how I feel. So now this is my next pathway, whether that means continuing it or maybe
1: saying, I'm just going to do it this or right. Yeah. Like, it's, it's simple. I've learned that I do not need to have it after every meal. I will be okay. I can have my pillar performance mix, and that can be my dessert.
0: There you go. There you go. And eventually what that then becomes is, like, you start to learn, too. Um, Like, for me, what I always learn is I can have a small piece of chocolate and be just fine kind of thing. And it cuts. Wait, you don't have to
1: eat the whole bar? That's an off.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That's what Brandon always says too. <laughs> it's like psycho Kayla over here who eats one piece of chocolate. <laughs> but no, I similar, mine, again, mine's the opposite. I'm committing myself to being more focused on getting more calories in because I have a tendency, like I will eat dinner, we'll eat dinner at 6.30 and then I won't eat again until I wake up in the morning, at you know, after my coffee, you know, and my body Burns through stuff too quickly. Like after that DNA testing that I did, I found that my, I basically go into like a catabolic state at night, in which then I'm not recovering. My blood sugar gets too low. I'm not recovering. And I, my body starts to eat itself. Well, that's not healthy and not going to help me for what I'm trying to do. Yeah. So, yeah. That's part of my whole, Link right, I've talked about before like lingering of my eating disorder was I one of my strict rules is I would not eat after seven o'clock at night. That was my, my rule. Mm. Like, wouldn't allow myself food. Um and I don't have that issue anymore, but I do struggle like after I've eaten dinner. It's like, okay, nope, you you need to not like so I'm trying to get past that.
1: Yeah. So that's a good goal so. to commit to. It is. Um
0: awesome. Okay. And we have a couple more here. We got time for Aaron has to go to work here. Um, This is an interesting one that I'm not sure we're going to have great answers for. Um, But we're going to... Well, actually, no. We're going to do something else. Danielle asked a question. This is a good one for Aaron. Um, Danielle asked a question. She said, what kind of kick do you do off the wall in the pool? So I think we should kind of say... Because, right, like we're triathletes. At the end of the day, having like the best off the wall forms, it's just not the biggest issue. But just, yeah, walk us through. What does that normally look like versus what do you think <laughs> would be good for a standard age group triathlete to do?
1: So the reason that I'm laughing is because like, the, the walls, like underwater dolphin kicks and breakouts, were always my least favorite part of swimming. So when I started triathlon, and I was like, "It's open water; those don't matter." I don't do any. I push off the wall,
0: hold a streamline. So that's line funny and pop you say swim. that. Yes, because I noticed that when we swam together uh, <laughs> last Thursday, I was like, "Aaron is a completely opposite of what." the other like quote unquote swimmers that I have swam with, she just pushes off the wall and then she just starts swimming. She doesn't like.
1: I hate it. I hate yeah, underwater dolphin kicks and I don't think they translate at all to being a good triathlete. They don't. So I just don't care. Yeah. I, it uh, Honestly, it takes away time that you're actually doing the swimming strokes. If you're spending the like 10 meters underwater, that swim coaches will tell you you should be doing. yeah i'd rather just not um i do recommend you push off in a tight streamline um and like hold that position until you get to the surface you don't have to like push vertically up but um Mm -hmm. i don't think you need to be wasting your time figuring out how to do underwater dolphin kicks
0: so I think what you're basically saying is it's better to like try to get off the wall and maintain a good body position than it is yes. to focus on what kind of kick you're using.
1: Exactly. Yeah, figure out how to come out in a good body position. Um maybe I'll I do like a half a dolphin kick just to like get my feet up on the surface, but Yeah. Yeah, I don't think you need to be worried about streamlining like a pro swimmer.
0: No. You really don't and a lot of times, like that's one of the reasons why sometimes you'll see athletes who are really, really great pool swimmers um, or grew up swimming. Like it doesn't translate to open water quite the same because they do they do the really huge streamline underwater, and then they do a quarter of the amount of. Well, not, that's a gross exaggeration, but a lot less.
1: Well, I don't know. Some swimmers take the whole fifteen meters, and if they only swim yards, they're not swimming much. But I that's hate water. <laughs> it gives me. Great feelings of anxiety with my asthma history. <laughs> I just don't Yes. Like it. Yeah. Um, there are some instances where it's helpful to know how to do. Like if a buoy turn is really, really crowded, I tend to just go under the surface and dolphin kick around the buoy <laughs> instead of oh. trying to swim over the people. Um, but you'd have to get really comfortable doing that to ever do that in that rare situation where it happens. So I wouldn't worry about it.
0: Yeah. No, I think that makes the most sense. Um yeah. I don't kick off the wall. Or if I do, it's very pathetic. <laughs> swimming and I are not in a good spot at the moment. We're working on it though. Been kind of cranky with swimming. But that's alright. Um okay Last question here is in regards to running shoes. This is from Annalise. She's a um, more if you take you athlete as well. And she had a question on running shoes. And she was wondering how to choose running shoes and Hmm. wondering if it's important to use max cushion, not max cushion, daily grinder versus a more versatile tempo shoe, et cetera. Um, We've had really great questions that probably – we need like a little bit more expertise than even what we can do. But again, I think we'll just talk on kind of our thoughts on running shoes Um, because I do feel like running shoes are extremely dependent on you as the person.
1: I do think it's good if you can find three shoes that don't give you intense blisters, which is what I'm in the process of doing. I think it can be really good to have three pairs of shoes kind of your everyday zone two run shoe kind of an up-tempo shoe um like one that's like a nylon plate or has the like alpha phi cushion without the carbon plate and then your carbon plate shoe um agreed i think that can be a really good system to have and you do most your runs in that like more cushioned easier on the body shoe um if you've got some tempo intervals some like good speed work. You wear that Tempo shoe that has that nylon plate, and then for a couple workouts before your main race, you throw in the carbon shoe just to get your body used to it more. Or if you have all the money in the world and you want to keep replacing carbon shoes, you can do more workouts than that. You can do all your speed workouts in it, but that's not the case for most of us. That's not always the
0: case. (laughs) Because carbon shoes do wear out fairly quickly. Like In reality, you can only get a little bit of um a couple of races in them even if you're doing like like if you were someone who was doing three three ironmans and so if like a standard like a standard professional potentially who does ironman races like maybe they do three ironmans in a year and then they do two to three 70.3s like you would burn through probably minimum three carbon shoes in the year minimum would be my guess yeah um doing that type of race schedule um yeah, I think shoes are really a tough one. Um, but the biggest takeaway that I, in for shoes is that you need to be able to rotate. Um and that they, they last longer too if you rotate. Um, you know, and even if you're someone who doesn't necessarily want to do what Aaron said and have like the three styles, just the same shoe and have two pairs of yeah. them and rotate in and out just so that you have them last longer. Um you know <laughs> There's definitely people out there that say, you know, the max cushion shoes are not necessarily great um, because you lose a lot of feel for the road underneath you um, and, you know, proprioception of like big toe pushing off um, and learn those kind of pieces. And you should do a little bit more, like a little less cushion. Again, for me, I think that comes more down to like preferential. Like I personally cannot do too much, too low, low of cushion and I things start to hurt. Um, and, but I've also been running my entire life and I really can feel the, I can feel the ground through any shoe. I can, I can, I just know what that feels like. And so maybe that's different from that standpoint. Um, I will
1: say I don't love stability shoes. No. um, Because Mm -hmm. I feel like stability shoes are a bandaid for other issues that you should. Yes resolve with like a PT or just like doing some foot exercises at home I just don't think they're good for your body long term and I think they can lead to some issues if you don't address why you feel you need a stability shoe in the first place
0: agreed love it that was a great point yeah really a neutral shoe just kind of try to stick with a neutral shoe for the most part And you can get neutral shoes in cushion, non-cushion tempo, you know. um, And then you're right, like address the pieces that are causing that lack of stability with exercises and, um, you know, strength work and training and stuff like that.
1: Um, And I guess the last thing on shoes I'll say, because I made this mistake, is there are shoes that are made for specific distances, um, like I remember training for my first Ironman, the shoe that I was running in, like oh, would hurt yes, my feet so this. bad past mile like yeah. eleven or twelve. Come to find and out, those shoes show me aren't... what Yeah, show me what those yeah. shoes were, and I said, no, no, no. <laughs> yeah, those shoes like, like Brooks would have even said they're not made to go longer than like really a ten k. In yeah, and I was trying to yep. do a marathon training yep. block in them. Um. So just like make sure it's the right the shoes at least designed to be doing what you're intending to do in that shoe. Yes. Yeah, that is a
0: re- really great point that I'm glad you brought up because it is so true cuz there are plenty of shoes that they are they're meant for 10k's or they're meant for max a half marathon even sometimes like yeah. Just and, you know, you can ask you know, you, you can ask your um you know, the shoe store that you go to, they shouldn't, they will know, um, a lot of PTs, especially if they're a PT that does like gait analysis, um, they would have a better understanding. Um, like, you know, for example, the first person I think of is like Caitlin Alexander who, um, does, you know, gait analysis and stuff like that. She's going to, people like that are going to have a good understanding. Um, you can ask, you ask your coach, they should know, to an extent. Um, like I can usually give semi good direction, like, hey, let's try this brand. This is um I also have tried like every single brand myself. <laughs> I can usually uh point somebody in the right direction on what you name it. I've pretty much tried it.
1: Um I'm I trying a new means- shoe today. <laughs> Ooh, what are you trying? Uh ASICs, Nova Blast oh, okay. or whatever the training shoe I'm yeah so bad with the names of it, but Yes. I'd be interested
0: to see how you feel in those. I could not get myself to like a six for some reason, even though I wanted to. But we'll see. Some people love them.
1: I all the other shoes I've tried aren't working, so I'm hoping this one will.
0: Shoes are so funky, and it's one of those. Once you find them, you just got to stick with it Mm. (laughs) and hope that the new model doesn't change too much. That.
1: Yeah, that was my issue. Well, I also just want more of a daily trainer too in my lineup, and haven't been able to get that squared away. But maybe today's that day, so we'll see. My always issue is that
0: there a lot of times shoes are always like I wear I run in Hoka's and I wear three different sizes depending on the shoe. So the Clifton's I wear five and a half, the Mox, I wear six, the the Rockets I wear six and a half. Like it's the weirdest. Oh, thing like why so confusing weak. it's the same brand it's so confusing so i just recently went to go replace my everyday trainers and i bought the wrong size and so now i have to wait until I size. anyways tangent <laughs> <laughs> so awesome well we are coming up on a good time to allow Erin to get ready for her morning meeting for work and um we can um, answer some of the other questions next week. Or if you guys do have more questions, uh, keep an eye out on our social media platforms for for asking, hey, shoot us your questions. Because um, we do so, we try to do so every week. And yeah, we'll be back next week. Um, again, please, we're going to really try to ask for your support on the Patreon slash community um, platform. It It's a, my goal with it is to really kind of provide a space for community. So like, yes, it's technically on the Patreon platform because from all the places that I found, like that was the best platform for what I was trying to do with it. But it's a great spot to really kind of hopefully create a where if you take you community and just provide you guys the ability for us to share kind of our passion for the sport and more content and all the things that you hopefully love about, yeah, all of it. So thanks everybody. And we'll see you guys next week. See you guys.